What is worship? There are so many different ways to answer that question, and many of them are correct. But I think there's a deeper and more curious question to look at. You know, what was it that God knew about us, his creation, that would make him create something like worship? Oh, yeah. That's worth our time today. That's worth some thought. In chapter 7 of my book, Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader, I tell this story about seeing a band when I was younger and remembering all this stuff from it. And I remember talking about how it felt and seemed like worship at church. But, and I got a lot of texts and emails about this. I never told anybody what the band name was. So in today's episode, I'll let you know the full story. All that and more as we explore worship on today's episode of the Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader podcast. chapter seven of my book, Worship is War. And I had every intention of changing it, just being honest with you. It's not because I didn't believe it, but maybe because I found it kind of cliche, you know, like worship is war. I don't know. Now I would have continued believing that, but God had already gotten a hold of me in second Chronicles 20 and, and had already started the process of writing this book and, and fleshing that out. And it was, it was great. And even now, I feel that process happening right now again. As I record this, and I should probably say this up front, I'm sitting underneath the Zion Mountains in an RV camper in Utah, America. I was about to say Utah, California. So you may hear like like right now, a big old like RV going by. That's because I'm straight up inside of an RV recording a podcast, which... I think is pretty awesome. But anyway, these beautiful mountains surround it. My family and I are going in to hike it today. There's nobody around. It's like ultimate social distancing. And I'm just marveling at God's creation. And and I feel that process again of writing notes and and, and all of the things that kind of happened with this last book about maybe this new book I'm, I'm starting. One with not a lot of answers, only questions and prayer. And so I'm taking notes. I'm beginning to outline the next book, which I think will be about wondering and wandering in the things of God. But we'll talk about that some other time. But yeah. So let me just start by getting the story out of the way about when I went and visited uh, this concert when I was younger. So if you've read the chapter, I'll try to paraphrase it, but I was listening to this band on the radio and uh, I'd never heard them before. I thought they sounded awesome. I even called the radio station. Okay. Remember those days? I was like, hey, who was that? And they told me, and uh, I was like, okay, cool. So then I hear, I go on YouTube at the time. I think it was YouTube, and like, I'm watching videos of them playing, and they're playing in front of more people than I've ever seen. That was when I first discovered the Glatzenberry, like, uh, music festival. Incredible. And then it was like, wow, th- this is the biggest band I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then not too long after that. On the radio, they're like, hey, this band's going to be in Sacramento playing at this club. I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, you get free tickets. I'm like, what? So my girlfriend at the time, who turns out later on, 
will be my wife, Vanessa. So we're probably like 16 at the time, 16, 17. I'm like, hey, we got to go. So like right after swim practice, she picks me up. We just go down there and there's a line out the door. And so this club can only hold like, I don't know, a few hundred people. And I'm like, okay, you you stand in the back of the line and I'm going to walk up and down. And I'm going to try to get tickets so that I was that guy. And uh, we eventually got two tickets. And the band was Muse. Okay, so I never put that in the, the book. I don't know why. But for some personalities who like need every fill-in-the-blank filled in, that was a massive blank. So the band was Muse. And uh, if you're wondering, it was the sickest concert I've ever been to. And I've seen them probably like six times now. But there was literally probably about 300 or so in there to my memory. And only half of them are watching. Right. So like we were 17, there's other people drinking, you had the wristband and I, I was in just shock that this band was in such a small place. Cause I had seen them now. What's why I shared that story in the book is because in that time, I mean, it was kind of a spiritual experience at this point. I'm, I'm still growing in my faith and I'm watching people like lift their hands and sing and have their eyes closed. And there's only one other place I've ever seen this. And that's a church, right? Let me, let me just read to you from, from chapter seven, page 118, at least in a printed version. Um, what I said, I said, the band was amazing. Everything I had hoped and dreamed of, it was the best concert ever. Midway through their set, I had a moment that seemed to freeze time and slow down around me. The band was playing one of their more epic tracks and there was an awesome atmosphere in the room that was seriously moving. I noticed the people in the club were lifting their hands in the air with palms open. I'd seen this before, but not here. I'd done that very thing before, but not here. It looked like worship. It was the same way that people worshiped at my church. I was stuck in that moment for what seemed forever. My mind was taking it all in like a computer processor. Questions began to arise from deep in my consciousness. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, what was going on there? Just music? I mean, like, just people really into it? Like, do you have a f- song that you're just like, oh, this is my song? I mean, I do. But to me, it looked and felt like it was resonating in a deeper place than just interests or like, I like this song. You know, one of the things I love about having been rescued by Jesus is that he not only saved me, but he also restores my sight. So if you know me, then you know I'm not blind. I've had the ability to see my whole life. I can see, but the sight I'm talking about is deeper. For instance, let's take these mountains I'm looking at this morning as an example of this. As I'm looking right now as I'm recording this. Before Jesus, what would I have said? You know, wow, these are amazing like, woo, like, this is the best, like, epic. But after receiving the Holy Spirit and reading the scriptures, I realized that these mountains come from the mind of a very artistic God. And it's like the complete picture. And my eyes have been open to that. And if you give your life to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he begins to restore sight in places that we were always supposed to have seen. And this is the world he made for us to exist in. So now when I see these mountains, which they're incredible, 
I experience other things besides just the beauty. It's thankfulness and, and provision and awe and wonder, but that awe and wonder is personal. Yeah. It's more than just a cool side. It reveals something about him and my design. And I would say the same for worship. Worship was made. It was made. It was an idea. God thought of it, right? That's a mind bender. But worship didn't just happen. Worship is an invitation to experience something deeper. And for me, I realize that there's a portion of it that feels like warfare. Now, as a worship leader, I have a different route to worship, maybe than some. But I think when it comes to being a worshiper of God, we're all going to experience this. And I'll talk about that in a second. You know, but those men and, and women around me at the concert, they were experiencing something. Something was touching a deeper part of who they are, who they were. The, the music was accessing it, but that's as far as it went. But I think that worship and our connection with God is meant to go much further, as I'm sure you do as well, led by the Spirit. In the book, I talk about two roles of worship leaders are privileged to play, two roles that worship leaders have And I want to unpack that just a little bit, but not just for worship leaders, but for worshipers in general. But of course, to leaders, it applies. The first one is worship leaders are holy disconnectors. Man, as the Lord was helping me through um, just being a worship leader week in and week out, this was huge. this, This put so many things to rest and it put so many tools, like I guess in my belt, Um, as a worship leader and a worshiper of Jesus. And it's that worship leaders have the ability to to be holy disconnectors, but I think worship is a disconnector. So any worship leader listening to this knows this to be true. There's a portion of what we do that gets, let's say, quotes, quote unquote, gets people ready to hear the word or get focused on God. And I'm really talking about like that first song right? Or like those first few moments, let's just say in church in general, just worship in church through music. People are still walking into church, you know, maybe they haven't spent time with God that entire week. I've been there. And that like the last time that they did was the last time they were in that room or the family that rolls in 15 minutes late, because I don't know if you know this, but it's incredibly difficult to rally a young family or any family for that matter and get them to church on time. Or even still, maybe you pulled up on time, but then you see someone or your kids are like not having it. I mean, it takes a lot. I I go to church without my family every Sunday because I'm a part of the worship experience and a part of staff. But a few times I've stayed home and I'm like, wow, is this what you do every day? My wife, Vanessa, is incredible. But sometimes people are still getting situated in their seats and the music is just background noise. It just is. Worship leaders, can I just tell you something? That's okay. You know, go back and listen to episode one or, or, or open up 2 Chronicles 20. I mean, our job is to show up, to be obedient, and to lead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord's going to do his work, and it's going to look different. So worship leaders, don't be discouraged. But for all of us, isn't that true just in general of you? It's true of me. Like, I, sometimes I'm just warming up. But worship is a gift from God that helps us disconnect from all those things that we attach ourselves to throughout the week. 
Worship is a disconnecting agent, I think, given by God. It's, it's hard to worry about work when our hearts and minds are centered and focused on Jesus. It's, it's hard to think about anything else when our hearts and minds are thinking about Jesus. I think of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. I recently was fasting and praying with my church, and, and I spoke one night about um, just where we're at with this pandemic and things, and I felt like the Lord led me to Isaiah chapter 6, and it's that story, and, and it begins, and I, I think it's a launching point for Isaiah, um, but he, the, the passage starts by saying, you know, in the year, in the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw a vision from the Lord. And why I think that's important is because if you know the backstory between Isaiah and King Uzziah, I mean, they were close. They worked closely together. Isaiah had a a pretty prominent role. He was connected to a lot of things, not all of them bad. But in the year that King Uzziah died, the first thing that God does is uses that moment of disconnect as an opportunity to, to reconnect with Isaiah. I think that's what worship does. And I would encourage you, if you're exploring who Jesus is, if you're exploring God of the Bible on this faith journey that you're on, explore the idea of worship. Look it up. Go and Google and how many times does the Bible say worship or how many times does the Bible have anybody praising God or what does that look like? What does the Bible say? Because worship is something, I think, given to us that helps us disconnect from worldly things. It's not the only thing given to us. There's, there's other things in Scripture as well that are important. But today I'm just talking about worship. And like Isaiah, I had a moment of disconnect from some of the things that he really felt were important to him. And God used it as a moment to reconnect. And I think that's the second thing. I wrote that worship leaders are reconnectors. Worship leaders, if you're listening, just, just keep at it. Prayerfully provide an environment for people to come and connect with Jesus. Prayerfully provide an environment for people to come and connect with Jesus. That's your job. You could do that. But as for all of us, the worshipers, worship was God's idea of both how to disconnect from the world and reconnect with Him. That's so good. The Bible even says in Psalm 16, that in his presence is fullness of joy. God made it that way, his idea. So when we, when we come into God's presence, when we, when we come there to just be with him, to worship, to pray, to just abide, right? Like we talked about. When the presence of the Lord is there and we're with him, there's fullness of joy. That's an invitation. When you read that in scripture and you read it and it says, in his presence is fullness of joy, you need to understand that's the Lord beckoning us to step into something he created for our benefit. Because it is actually for our benefit to worship God and give him glory. So I'm not saying that we step into worship all for us, but God is so great that he made it so that we're going to have this desire to worship him because he deserves to be worshiped. And in that, we're going to find something about that experience to be divinely orchestrated by him to where as we're worshiping him because of all he's done, all that he is, he then sends down joy and peace and stability into our heart. That's incredible. 
Let me read from Psalm 66, 1 through 7. And you tell me where your heart and your mind go. Psalm 66, 1 through 7. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. Love that. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. I love that. Man, worship will help you disconnect from all of those connections that seem to build up. And it will reconnect you to the Father and all of his ways. God in his wisdom gives us worship so that we may know him and everything he has done so much better. Now, worship is it's more than just music and singing. But you know what? I, I hear that all the time. <laughs> but I often feel like maybe some of the people who say that don't understand that it also very much is. There's so much praise and worship through music and singing and scripture, friends. It's all over the place. And I'm not so sure we're allowed to choose like a menu how we will worship. And I want to I wanna be handed the manual for worship as it comes to my, my spiritual act of worship is basically just living my life for Christ. It's worship. But also, too, I mean, as I just read Psalm 66, I mean, what do you, what do, you do? Man, what a powerful scripture. Even now as we're in a, as in a pandemic and there's things going around, I, I love the end. It says, uh, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. God, God knows what's going on. That, 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 that statement being a prayer and a worship is disconnecting me from believing what other people are saying, that where's God in all this? No, he's here and he's working. And he looks for the worshipers. He looks for those who are with him to do a work. I think it's, it's really wonderful. But worship through praise and music and singing, it's in there and it's great. And God is an artist and he, he designed worship to, to draw us to himself. It's, it's beautiful. He, he, he designed worship because he knows that, I don't know if you look around, but we like to make false gods. We love to, when Moses goes up on the mountain and takes too long, make another false God to worship, to give our attention to, to sing our praises to. And the Lord knows us. So he says, no, if you come to me, if you, if you come to me in prayer, if you sing, if you lift your hands, if you, if you remind your soul about who I am and what I've done and, and you give me glory, I'm going to do something for you as well. And I just think it's amazing. Now, especially now, what if you never step into a church again? Have you thought about that? I'm sure you have. What if you never step into a church again? Now, hear me. I, I, I hope we do. I believe we will. But what if you never did? What does that mean for your worship? What does that look like for your connection to Jesus? The road ahead may look a lot like that, but God is still here calling us and asking us to move closer to him. And here, here's where worship is 
is war. It's a fight. It is a battle for me to fight for the time for worship just as an individual. It's a battle to rage against the connections that keep me from experiencing Jesus in worship. Man, fight for the time. Remember that there's a whole other side to this, right? There's an enemy out there who hates your worship. So worship Jesus all the more. Let me read page 127 on this chapter and then I'll close out. I said there's a word that comes to mind when it comes to what worship feels like. War. Am I worshiping? Yes. But it's war. Am I leading? Yes. But it's war. I'm warring against the false connections I've made, the false connections we've made, and I'm fighting to bring an atmosphere that honors and worships God. Fighting to bring Him glory. The devil doesn't want creatives to cultivate our gifts to honor God or help others worship. Satan is at war against you and me. When I'm leading worship, when we lead worship together, we carry the ultimate weapons, the sword of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit Himself. I try and wield those weapons with the utmost ferocity. I love it. I hope that you see that worship really is a battle. The choice to do it, the choice to engage even just on your own. But then also, worship is an amazing invitation and gift given by God to help us disconnect from so many things. And I don't mean disconnect like disconnect and and relax and, and zen out or something. I mean disconnect from the things that are sucking our life away and reconnect to the one who gives life. Worship has so many avenues of blessing. It's amazing. And so while we can go to a concert and you see people and it looks on the outside, like, whoa, 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 what's going on? I would say they're on the journey. I mean, that part of them that's resonating with music or resonating with art of any capacity, it's an appreciation for beauty and that comes from a design. But the missing link is Christ. And when we when we get to step into that part of the journey and little by little, scales fall off our eyes and we see things. Whoa, wow, Lord, like I didn't realize you were behind that beauty. And now that you're there, wow, this mountain is so much more glorious. And then Lord, wow, you're with me. I'm filled with joy. I love it. Man, I appreciate you listening to this podcast and uh, all the comments and things you've sent me over the past few weeks have been a real blessing. Do me a favor if you're listening. If you haven't reviewed it on iTunes or Spotify, please do that. It helps me. Uh, You can go to jordanabina.com and subscribe. I send out something every Friday. Got a book club closing up in May and opening up in June. And you can contact me as well. I'd love to stay in touch. So I guess my encouragement to you would be today. Find time. Fight for it. Worship is war. Go get it. Walk outside. Worship. Disconnect and connect. Disconnect with all those things that have built up these last few days and reconnect with your Father. As we lead and grow together, let's stand shoulder to shoulder on the front lines together. God's up to something. Let's not miss it. I'll see you there. (laughs) 